Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from the 80th Psalm, verses 7 through 15, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. My sermon is titled, The Library. As this is World Communion Sunday, we invite you to have bread and cup with you, and during the distribution music, you are invited to receive in whatever way feels right for you, knowing that our unity is not found in our conformity, but in our diversity. A special thanks to everyone who helped make this service happen, including Susan Baker-Lena for writing the liturgy. You'll find a link to our complete announcements in your email, one highlight. This Thursday is the second Thursday of the month, and at 8 p.m. we will have virtual small group gatherings on Zoom. We hope to see you there. And now, in preparation to worship, you are invited to quiet yourself, becoming still, as you prepare to worship God. in a variety of languages and rituals. Your people celebrate this day. The gifts of bread and cup. And the gifts of one another. Let us worship God. Who, who calls, calls us and, and makes us one. one.
God of love, you planted the vine of your people, enabling us to take root and grow strong. For this, we are grateful. As we face challenges from within and without, help us to recognize and follow your way that guides us towards healing and wholeness. Now in silence, we continue our prayers to you. When life feels bleak, God shines life upon us. When the way is difficult, God sustains us. The news is truly good. In Jesus Christ, we are loved and made whole. And sent out to help heal the world. reading from the 80th Psalm. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, as we listen to these ancient words, may we hear a word for us this day. Amen. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, beginning with verse 33. Listen for the word of God. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Holy One's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the sovereignty of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits 
of the sovereignty. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds, because they regarded him as a prophet. Here ends the reading. I've been thinking about libraries this week. The Denver Public Library. The Boulder and Adams County branches formative in my youth. School libraries. Libraries tucked away on hilltops, nestled in towns and cities, poised by creeks around the world. Until recently, going to the library was a common occurrence, both field trip worthy and as routine as running to the store, a place of calm and of adventure. I remember walking into the downtown Denver Central Library, feeling like I was entering a Capitol building or a courthouse, complete with marble, a rotunda, and mezzanines. How is it that one can enter so small and be at home? Winding through the stacks was like discovering a secret garden or stumbling upon a ready-made fort, always on the edge of getting lost and feeling the thrill of freedom from parental oversight as worlds yet to be discovered drew them in as well. Still in the early years of literacy, I imagined that held within the pages of the quiet collections were the lives of all the people who lived before us throughout time. Like the great cloud of witnesses, their stories, their wisdom, the truth they discovered gathered there. In muted hues, dust jackets lost to time, tall and short, Thin as pamphlets, thick as volumes, they stood in wait. Carefully selecting which book I would borrow, I beheld it as a treasure, even if I couldn't make sense of the typeface filling its pages. I wondered at its secrets, carried it with me, and believed in its weight. What it would be to live up to such belief and trust. Whether a library or a capital or a courthouse, they capture our dreams. Like entering a classroom, we believe what is true and fair and possible and right live there. Then one day, our grand halls begin to look different, more complicated, no longer so clearly aligned with what we treasure. The font of wisdom no longer so pure or always so wise. The vine, as the psalmist writes, once planted and flourishing is now at risk of reaching a devastating end no longer cared for or protected, its fruit plucked by all who pass by, ravaged by boars. Our ancient ancestors were watching the fall of their nation, 
It was never supposed to happen. How could the land of justice and peace come crashing down? Thousands of years later, and I find myself wanting to keep resisting with them. But they found their way through, leaning on the communal lament of Psalms. Their voices, alive within ours, as we read their story and see our own. Though national tragedies kept coming long after the plagues, the rise and fall of both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel, the destruction of the temple not once, but twice, and persecution for long after that, there persisted a belief in how the people of God were called to care for one another. And this is where Matthew's Jesus begins to speak. The religious authorities have lost sight of this call. As if sitting at court, listening to the parable like they would a case brought on behalf of a prominent family, without even deliberating, they hand down a judgment in favor of the landowner and, by punishment of death, put an end to the violent revolt of those who denied him respect and profit by killing his slaves and heir. The violence of the tenants with repeated acts of murder is disturbing, but the judges don't see the economic system of which they are a part is also cause for significant distress. Over and over again, the people of God are called to care for the widow and stranger, to care for the poor and oppressed, to give from what they have, to care for those who have less, not to take from those who have less to ensure the wealth of those who have more. The fruit of the vine is grown by caring for and honoring those who would otherwise be tossed aside. Their presence is vital to the integrity of any royal palace. The ancient Israelites had a dream that out of the vine there would grow an unfailingly righteous leader, one who would remember the gift it would be to live up to the belief and trust of the people. One who understood the glory of their title was strengthened not by anything other than faithfully caring for the people. They knew what it was to wake up to find their grand halls turning to rubble. They knew the resentment, even made vindictive petitions to God. And in their library of books, they gave voice to it all letting us discover for ourselves what is true and what is fair, what is possible and what is right. Out of the Great Depression nearly a century ago arose World Communion Sunday that we might remember we're not alone. And that as we gather around table, 
we might recall along with the great cloud of witnesses all the people who we gather in spirit with us, welcoming their stories, their wisdom, their mistakes and adventures, the truths and untruths they've discovered. The whole of them, the whole of us, gathered, attending the holy together. We believe in God, who created us in love and puts us in places where we can grow. We believe in Christ, who shows us what love looks like and challenges us to live into it. We believe in Spirit, who teaches us to embrace this world that brings wholeness to us and the world. This we believe. Oh
We come to the table, tucked away on hilltops, nestled in towns and cities, poised by creeks around the world. We come to the table with our hopes betrayed and dreams still imagined. We come to the table a gathered people, wholly welcomed, fruit of the vine. So come, not because you must, but simply because you may. Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to God. Let us give thanks to the God of life. It is right to give God thanks and praise. Let us pray. God of inexhaustible love, where do we go that we do not run into blessing? In the beginning, you took nothing and made a world, glorious in its diversity, every living thing, a witness to your glory. The desert wildflowers, the towering redwoods, the rivers whose flowing waters gladden and soothe us, the intricacy of microbes, the vast expanse of stars. These all speak of your faithfulness. They say to us, this is a God whose beauty is everywhere. From the dust of the earth and your warm breath, you, O God, made us one human family, glorious in its diversity, all of us held in your love. When we turned away from you and then turned against each other, you did not leave us to our broken story, but instead entered into that story, aching to gather us all back to you you inspired prophets to return us to an unbroken communion. Moses and the midwives, Shipra and Pua, J.S. Bach and St. Therese of Lisieux, Oscar Romero, Fred Korematsu and John Lewis, those whose lives were a fragrant offering to you, who in suffering and in joy gave witness to the freedom we were all meant for. A freedom we saw shine forth in Jesus the Christ, who even facing his accusers, chose the path of self-giving love, a love which bears all things, which forgives 70 times seven, a reconciling love. In Christ's life, death, and resurrection, we who are many are made one, signaling the day when we shall all sit together at the heavenly table and feast with you in glory. One people, glorious in diversity. One people, truly at peace. Today at this table, we taste of this future. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. 
mystery, pour out your spirit, we pray, on this simple bread, wheat from the field that it might be for us, the body of Christ. Pour out your spirit, we pray, on this cup, juice from the vine that it might be for us, the life of Christ. Pour out your spirit, we pray, on us, your gathered people, that we might truly know we are the body of Christ. Pour out your spirit, we pray. And now we are bold to pray the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he gathered around the table with friends, just as we are gathered with friends of the faith. And he took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, saying, Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of sin and sealed in my love. Take, drink, do this, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we drink from one cup, and break from one loaf. We proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of the Christ until we feast with him in glory. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them and feast on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. The bread and cup of Christ. Let us partake with one another. Because you must come because. 
let us pray. Holy God, you have fed us in body and spirit, in music and silence, in bread and cup, gathering us together, living members of the body of Christ. For that, we give you our thanks and praise. Amen. As you go forth, may new worlds open for you. May you stumble upon the magic of secret gardens and ready-made forts. May you be sustained by the communion of saints and be bread for the world. God's peace be to the whole community of faith in this city and around the world. May the people who are God's vine, infused with God's life, be fruitful with purpose and hope. Amen. Amen.